Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. Hey, it's Guy here, and you're listening to an audio broadcast of Market Call. That's MKT Call. It's a video series I do with Dan Nathan every Monday through Thursday, live at 1 p.m. Eastern. We break down the big market-moving headlines and offer trade ideas. Each week, we are joined by Carter Worth of Worth Charting and Liz Young from SoFi for their investment analysis. So check it out, and if you like it, follow at Market Call on Twitter and subscribe to Risk Reversal Media on YouTube so you never miss an episode. What up, homies? Guy Adami here. Dan Nathan in his best uh, Johnny Cash. Yeah, baby. By the way, I went to the Johnny Cash, not that anybody cares, museum in Nashville, Tennessee this spring. Fascinating. The man in black, a storied career, decades of great music. And I will tell you, Dan, that uh, who is it? Joaquin Phoenix or one yeah. of the Phoenixes? Joaquin. His portrayal of Johnny Cash. He should have won a cat. He should have won Best Actor. Just saying it. I, it's, it's a crime that he didn't. Anyway, this is Market Call. You didn't have that on your bingo card. I am the aforementioned guy, Adami. Joined by Dan Nathan. Just the two of us today like the song. Today's Market Call is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CME Group, where Risk Dan meets Opportunity, our data partner, FactSet. And Dan, we are powered by Open Exchange. All those cool charts you see, by the way, FactSet charts. Uh, risk does meet opportunity. And I got to tell you something. The risk and the opportunity associated with it for the last day and a half have been staggering. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, Guy. Last night on Fast Money, you said something kind of interesting to, you know, you were kind of explaining your market, um, you know, thesis. outlook right there. Yeah, your thesis in a way. And, you know, I think this is really important for people who kind of, you know, watch Market Call every day. We're in here. We're doing this Monday through Thursday. You're active on Twitter. We do Fast Money. We have our other podcasts here. We're really trying to kind of thread, a, you know, a narrative in a way that we think is useful for people. We sit here and stare at our fact set machines all day, every day we're asked from people who are institutional players who manage big pools of capital to analysts to strategists to retail folks that we um, interact with and you know like the idea of changing your mind on a dime is really hard when it comes to markets that's what happened right uh, we closed on a low on friday on the s p 500 and the nasdaq a new 52-week low but you can be nuanced within that and i know you and i have been talking about on market call while we have a bearish outlook for the economy and we also you and i both think stocks are going to at some point retest 3400 and the mm -hmm. s p 500 that pre-pandemic high you can still have a nuanced view about what's going to happen near term and both of you and i were in agreement that you do not press lows like like we were at you do not press sentiment this is to the downside when you have that it seemed like everything was moving to one side and look at the violence in which we've bounced from you know friday's close and i just want you to kind of speak to that a little bit because i think you probably do it a bit more succinctly than i do 
No, listen, we, well, first of all, we, we have said numerous times over the years that the most violent rallies take place in bear markets, number one. On Fast Money last week, you actually said it would not surprise you over the course of the next few trading days to see a 5% move one direction or the other. And one of the things that I said is Dan's probably going to be right. And that first, once you see a percent and a half in either direction, don't fade it. And listen, there's no science to this. And quite frankly, I wasn't right with that either. But the move you're seeing is exactly that, a face-ripping rally, people are overly bearish. And yesterday is a classic example of first day of the new month, first day of the new quarter, overwhelmingly bad news over the weekend. Then you had an ISM number that was a disaster, and the market interpreted that, again, whether correctly or incorrectly, as you know what, the Fed's going to be forced, their hand's going to be forced, there's no way they're going to be able to continue down this rate hike, and they're just trying to get in front of what they think is the inevitable. And listen, the market might be right. And maybe the Fed is the reason to be long in the market, but I would submit this, and I think you would agree with it. It's not going to help companies. Companies have problems have not been solved over the last 48 hours. The earnings warnings we're going to see, the slowdown in revenue that we're going to see, the deterioration yeah. of margins that we're inevitably going to see, the layoffs that are coming, I don't think are properly factored into this market. So this rally makes sense in the context of knee-jerk reaction, face-ripping rally in a bear market. It all makes sense. And historically, we can probably go back to my early days in the late 20s, early 30s. And I'm sure things like that happen to this magnitude as well. But it doesn't mean that all the problems that have been illing this market have been cured. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's talk about you know um, some past bear markets here and how they bottomed. Here's Ryan Dietrich. We'd like to quote mm. his data here. Um, you know, he's saying the '02 and '74 those bear markets, um, which were protracted bear markets. You remember '02 and you probably remember '74, um, but they both bottomed the first week or so of October. Like, listen, guy. I mean, that's a nice little tidbit. It makes for a nice tweet. Not particularly like for me useful. I mean, I. I appreciate him putting it out there. Yeah. I'm just curious how you think about when you see data like that, because 74 and 02 were two big bear markets in the last 50 years. But he does great work. We've had him on. I think we've had him on. I don't know if you've been on the podcast. I know he's been on Fast Money. It doesn't yeah. matter. His work is thoughtful, but you know you can cherry pick anything you want. And yeah. I guess to a certain extent, that's what I'm suggesting here, that he's, he's, he's cherry picking. And yeah, I guess throughout history, this can mirror certain things in the past. And you can make numbers look whatever you want them to look like to back up your dogma or your belief system. I totally get it. And listen, maybe that was it. Maybe that's the low we'll see. Maybe the lows have been put in for the year. Maybe next year we're off to the races. Maybe the Fed pivots earlier next year than the market's expecting. All those things could absolutely happen. But we can only do things in the here and now. And right here and now, I'm looking at a market that's probably still expensive. I think this rally is going to probably exhaust itself. I don't even know if we get to the moving average this time. And I think right now you should be thinking, where am I looking to sell things instead of where am I looking to buy things? Yeah, that's a great point, though. That 50-day moving average, maybe you get there. I mean, 4,000 looks like um, a level in which would make perfect sense. But again, if we are in this well-defined downtrend in the S&P 500, it's going to make a series of lower highs and obviously lower lows. We just made a new uh, lower low here. I just don't really see us getting anywhere near that August 16th high guy in this last kind of fake face ripper rally. 
rally, but it's important to kind of, I think you kind of alluded to this. I mean, are we rallying right now because of what the Bank of Australia didn't do as it relates to rates? Are they easing off a little bit? Are we seeing some of the narrative um, or the rhetoric, if you will, about, you know, the Fed slowing down a little bit? Is that picking up steam? Because, Guy, that is exactly why the market rallied mm -hmm. when you think about from mid-June after that Fed meeting in, for two months into August. And then also we brought up this point on market call many times over the last couple of weeks is that is there a scenario now i think it was more likely on friday's close when the market was down 17 percent in a month and a half that investors shake off disappointing q3 earnings results and maybe murky q4 guidance but the further we run into earnings and we're not going to have them really in earnest until you know mid late this month then the more treacherous that setup becomes right the higher we rally if we do have disappointing results yeah, I mean, listen, Friday, the setup into earnings, if the market continued that path, would be extraordinarily good. Yeah. Now the setup is getting worse, theoretically, by the minute as the market continues to rally here, to your point. And listen, I'll play the game out with you just for a minute. And, and you've been suggesting this, and you're going to wind up being right, that you think come the end of this month, this Federal Reserve might indicate that ahead of the midterm elections, yeah. and maybe things are on pause, and maybe the data dependent, the data which they are dependent upon suggests that maybe they've overdone it a bit. And can the market rally? Yeah. You know what else is going to rally on the back of that, though? All the things that are inflationary. So yeah. they've kept the lid on all these inflationary items. They've done a good job. I mean, listen, crude oil has gone from 135-ish down to 75, bouncing now. But all those, the genie will be out of the bottle. Again, my opinion, if this Fed indicates that. And then the inflation problem that they're trying to combat somewhat successfully it's just going to rear its ugly head again. And it's that game of Danny Moses talking about a whack-a-mole. They're going to have to get right back on the rate-hiking rate cycle. So we'll see. But you trade it in between. And do I think this has a little more legs to the upside? Yeah, probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see another couple percent to the upside. But I do think we're going to exhaust ourselves. And I'm hard-pressed to believe that a market low was made on a Friday, the last day of the month, and we've had two gap open higher days on the back of it that won't be filled at some point. And listen, the backdrop is not, there's nothing that's improved over the last couple trading days other than the price of the market. Well, and I think specifically the, the decline in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield. I mean, that has really been the fuel but, to the fire. Yeah. I, I, no question. But why is that happening? Is it happening because, I mean, listen, it's happening for a couple of reasons. Again, yeah. to the point we've been making now for the last 10 minutes that there's a belief that the Fed will stop. But the other flip side of that coin is the data has been so, I mean, the ISM number yesterday was a disaster. The prices paid number was the worst we've seen since the spring of 2020. And I think we all remember that. And that's not suggestive of some, you know, some gangbuster economy. That's suggestive of a slowing economy, which yeah. means earnings will slow, which means if multiple you pay for those earnings should theoretically be lower. So the Fed can do what they want, but the backdrop has not changed. Agreed. Um, let's let's just let's look at rates. I mean, let's look at the CME mm -hmm. FedWatch tool here, and I think this has changed a lot. You know, just in a short period of time, it was more than an eighty percent probability at the November second meeting that the Fed was going to raise seventy-five basis points. It would have been their fourth consecutive seventy-five basis point hike. You could do that math, guy. It been three percent on Fed funds in four meetings. That would have been insane, right? A little bit. You saw what I did there. You yeah, remember that? I remember do. that? I remember Who was that? He went yeah. to jail, by the way. Crazy I know. Eddie. His I know. Price Supposedly, I think there's a great doc about that whole thing about Crazy Eddie. So maybe we'll 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 check that thing out mm -hmm. here. But but 
you see what's happening here. Now the market's kind of moving towards, um, you know, a, a 50 basis point hike. Again, this is exactly what happened after the June meeting. It doesn't mean if we have the jobs number of September come out this Friday and it's hot and we have CPI next week and it remains hot, this is going to change. You know what I mean? So, so let's just think about what the 10 year is suggesting. I think you just said it. Does it mean that growth is slowing here? Mm -hmm. We had that kind of blow off top. You and I both think that we could see a pullback in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, you know, maybe we get to 315. That's that rising 50-day moving average. It's still well above that 200-day, which is down there near that August low, about two and a half. But if that happens, again, a lot of people knee-jerk would say, that's great for stocks and valuations, but not if it means that we're seeing the economy kind of tip to the other side of this whole equation and slow too quickly. Yeah, Doug Cass would say that's one-dimensional thinking. I would agree with him. I mean, it's just, it's not causality. Lower rates does not necessarily mean the stock. I understand why people would think that. Yeah. And I understand why, again, the knee-jerk reaction is exactly that. To your point, one of the reasons the market is rallying is because we've seen 10-year yields move 40 basis points to the downside yeah. over the course of two and a half or so trading days. Again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You know how I feel about it. To answer your question, can 10-year can yields go lower? Absolutely, they can. A slowing economy is suggestive of exactly that. There's no real reason for the longer end of the curve for rates to go higher, um, especially in this yeah. economic backdrop. So again, and I've said it for a while, I could absolutely see a scenario where 10-year yields go down to three and a quarter, three and a half, and the two-year yield stays sticky somewhere north of 4%. And you can do that math as well. I mean, you're talking about an yeah. inverted yield curve, at least 50 basis points, if not 75. And is that a good thing? I don't know. As well, I say here's all the, the thing. time, I'm not an economist, but it doesn't seem pretty good to me. I'm certainly not one either, guy. But let, let's just, here's the chart of the two year. You see that just from a purely technical standpoint. If that were to go back to that breakout level, mm -hmm. that rising 50 day at three and a half percent, and let's say the 10 year does come in a bit more, let's say it gets down to 330, you know, at that point, you can do that math. You have an inverted yield curve to the tune of what, 30, 35, or something like that. And in, in you know, in that scenario, that's actually probably pretty good. That yeah. kind of signals that the Fed will be done for a while. Now we're dealing with that slower growth, but maybe that's the very thing that gets inflation back into an area where it's better for corporates who've already hit. Listen, you know, today I saw um, Amazon, there's a hiring freeze in their retail division. I mean, we've seen this again and again and again. That's one way to put downward pressure on wages. And if wages are the stickiest part of this inflation, we've already seen a lot of these industrial commodity prices come in, right? So, and we're seeing the dollar come in a little bit. There's a scenario where this doesn't end up being yeah. a disaster yeah. guy. Yeah, listen, absolutely. Can they thread this needle? Without question, but the one thing, and I'm not saying you choose to leave it out at left that you didn't yeah. choose to leave this out, but the commodity market's not going to stand still if all this, if everything you said happens. In other yeah. words, if the dollar starts to go lower under this set of circumstances, if two year yields start to go lower, um, what's going to happen? I think all the inflationary items are just going to get reinflated again, and then we're right back into the yeah. problem that got us here in the first place. So, all those things in a vacuum 
very bullish. But you have to add that one more ingredient. That's typically when you forget to put an ingredient in a cake. The cake yeah. is really shitty. That's like me because well, I don't really read directions. Yeah. But in this case, you got to put that ingredient in, and that ingredient is commodities, and commodities will go higher under those set of circumstances. Maybe I'm going to push back. Maybe, okay. maybe, maybe you know, Elon Musk is successful in his peace efforts with Russia and Ukraine, and maybe that no, but what I'm saying, but the, there is a scenario where maybe the energy crisis in Europe is not as bad if there was some sort of thing. I mean, you know, who knows? I'm, what I'm saying is some of the supply de demand dynamics that have gone on in the housing market that have caused a lot of input costs to be higher. We're seeing those abate. We're seeing shipping costs as it relates mm -hmm. to we are worried about the broken supply. So there's a scenario where maybe we did peak and you've been saying this for months now. Fine. Peak means in the rear view mirror, but elevated relative to a year, two, three. I, I get it. And, and, you know, again, you and I could go back and forth in this. I, I'm just not sure, though, that the worst case scenarios play out as it relates. No, that's fair. Listen, I totally get it. What you're describing is the best case scenario. Yeah. So let's try to put a probability around that. I mean, I, I think there's I don't, I don't think it's more than 25 percent, but it's probably somewhere between 15 and 25 percent of happening. You can game that out. Like if you think that's the scenario yeah. and you're willing to bet like a, a 20 percent probability of that happening. I think you have to be a number of things. You have to be long TLT thinking yields are going to go back down. I think you got to be short the dollar thinking the dollar is going to get crushed here. And I think you got to be long specifically yeah. some of these high flying NASDAQ names thinking that all these names are get reinflated. So under those circumstances, that's the playbook. I just that's I'm my playbook. I mean, that's my I've been laying yeah. it out here on the market call. You know, what, you know what? So if you Brady Bunch fans out there, you know what I just did? I, I pretended to like Marsha Brady so I could get in the house so I could steal Greg Brady's playbook. But little did I know that they actually switched up the playbook and we got our ass kicked on Saturday. Wait, wait, wait. Was that the episode that Namath was on? Was that the No, no, no. Much different episode. Okay. All right. But, but that's when Bobby Brady, I think it was Bobby Brady, you know, put on the gear. And I got to tell you. I'm sorry about this. If you're not following at Super 70 Sports, you're doing Twitter <laughs> He's so wrong. good. Because the stuff that he comes out with uh, around some of these things, it actually makes me, what do they call it when you laugh out loud? Yeah, LOL, laugh yeah, out loud. I do yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Please no, continue. no, but that's what, I mean, listen, so that's actually been my trade. And so, you know, I've been long. I've been picking at some of these NASDAQ stocks, PayPal, Shopify, Snapchat, um, you know, a few others there. And, you know, I had been tactically shorting the QQQ guy against them and I covered that on Friday and I'm short the UUP so I'm making a bet that the dollar goes lower mm -hmm. I'm actually long the GOVT which is similar to your TLT which is a bet that yields go lower Govies Govies and so the only short I have on right now, and this thing man I'll tell you it was up my you know what earlier this morning was Hold Tesla on. Was, oh. was, was oh, Tesla oh you were, you were you raising your head to see yeah. what yeah, and so this thing on the Twitter news, we're going to talk about the Twitter news, is about to go down on the day. But look at this Tesla here, man. I mean, this stock was up 5% after closing down 8% yep. yesterday. And I thought last night, I lost a friend just, you know, I lost a friend on Twitter because of my 
Tesla commentary. I was told that I'm losing credibility. It's very sad. Um, so, you know, maybe I'll gain that credibility back. But this is not a scenario, guy, that I feel particularly good about as it relates to Tesla because I thought yesterday it was down 8% on them missing deliveries on the Fugazi that was their AI day Friday afternoon. And now for the stock to gap up and give it all back because mm-hmm. Elon is basically, I guess Bloomberg is reporting that he is willing to pay now the 5420 or the 44 billion dollars that he had agreed to pay back in april for this company and i think the assumption is is that a this is a huge distraction for him b he has to put up a ton of equity to do that deal and who knows how much tesla stock he's left to sell based on what might or may not be the equity commitments think about how different of an environment where rates were guy where the markets were when he had those equity commitments to help him fund this deal than they were in april versus right now completely different and you know, when I saw Tesla higher today, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. I was, I, I'm saying to myself, I must be missing something yeah. here in terms of some of the math or some of the permutations or missing or moving parts around this deal. But Tesla should, given everything you just said, Tesla should actually be lower on the day. And that could be one of those tells if Tesla sort of goes red today and see how the broader market yeah. does. So, and I think it's worth pointing out, again, not to dogpile on the rabbit for you Bugs Bunny fans out there, but... <laughs> You know, peak to trough, Tesla is probably down 40% yeah. from its all-time high. I mean, that's a pretty significant move. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, the other one I'd keep an eye on right now is Apple guy. It had, you know, obviously a big rally yesterday. It's only up 1.3% today. If you were to see Tesla and Apple go lower, I mean, those are two names that we've been highlighting for weeks now that are going to be the last, you know, kind of general mm-hmm. shot, as our main man Carter likes to say. All right, here's one thing I wanted to get your take on because we were talking about the yield curve and your guess is as good as mine for net interest margins in these big money centers, whether, you know, the steepening, the the, the flattening, the, the, the widening, you know, all that sort of stuff, whether it's good or bad the only thing that i know we've been talking about jp morgan largest bank in the world you know when you look at that uh yield curve that just uh, obviously inverted way earlier this year look at jp morgan it's really led all the banks to the downside here it did fill in and we've been talking about that gap down to 104 that was november 9th 2020 if you look at the five-year chart that was the day of the vaccines um we did what we kind of needed to do and here's the best most capitalized you know best capitalized bank best management best of breed best ever Everything, right you know it led to the downside it literally stopped on a dime guy um to that 2020 gap thoughts on jp morgan is up four percent on the day after yesterday's three percent gain that's a that's a pretty telling move and this is going to be the first group to start to report the week after next yeah no listen how do you trade this stock i mean the correct way to trade it in my opinion is you wait for that trend line that downtrend line to be violated you buy it on a breakout the second way to trade it is okay I think the lows have been put in. I'm going to buy a portion of my position here. I'm going to buy the rest of my position on a breakout above that trend line. But again, it's been upper left, lower right, and it's a series effectively of lower highs and lower lows. So until that's broken, you're still on a downtrend. And and again, JP Morgan on valuation is probably as cheap as it's been, I don't know, since a financial crisis or something like that in terms of price to tangible book, but it's still expensive Uh, relative to its peers it is best to breed but how much is it best in breed so that's how i would trade it again i don't think they're out of the woods yet by any stretch of the imagination and you have to believe a lot of things are going to go right this quarter and whatever guidance they give remember this is the same jp morgan who jamie diamond said i think correctly that a storm was coming and i don't think anything's changed on that front either 
Yeah, economic hurricane. I think so is what he, he said. said. Economic yeah, hurricane. something like that. that. Um, let Let's kind of you know the other one we were just talking about commodities a little bit, and this is a big one here. Um, you know, crude oil. Um, you know, it retraced that entire move, guy, back to the November twenty twenty one highs, and this is the one I think that was everybody's you know front of mind when we were thinking about you know input costs and what inflationary pressures meant for consumers for businesses. I mean, the list goes on and on, and you've had this very sharp decline, obviously from those um, highs just a few months back here. Here we are. The dollars come in. We're going to take a look at the dollar in a second. And you see crude largely rallying, I think, over the last couple of days because these OPEC plus headlines. Thoughts here. Does this end up being a sell the news when we finally get to this? Yeah, I think I know what you think. I know what I think. And this is a classic. That's what makes markets. And you hate hearing me say it, but I'm going to say it. You know, I do think there's a leg higher here. And everything we talked about at the front of the show, I think, suggests that, you know, if the Fed wants to take their foot off the gas pedal, that's fine. Certain things are going to explode to the upside. And I happen to think crude oil is going to be one of them. So it makes perfect sense here. Now I'm sort of violating what I just said five minutes ago in terms of JP Morgan. But it makes perfect sense here to... See how it trades at this trend line. A close above it, you get long and you play for a move back to the moving average. Um, others will say, you know what? If you've caught this little bounce over the last week or so, take the money and run. I- I'm in the former camp. I'm not in the latter camp. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say about crude, and, and again, you know, a lot of these tr- trading platforms, you know, allow you to trade the futures. They trade on the CME. They're very liquid. And the one thing about trading futures is that you can set very well-defined stops. You know, so if you're looking to play for a breakout above that very, you know, like like that sharp mm-hmm. downtrend, you know, there's levels. I mean, look at the five year. I just want to pull this thing out for a second, guy. And if you look at this thing going back to late 17, when we saw a precipitous drop, excuse me, late 18, it was the last time the stock market really got killed prior to the pandemic. And we know what happened. The Fed was raising rates back then. And whether that support line is important or not, we did stop almost to the yep. penny there just last week. And you see that downtrend. So for just from a purely technical level, where might you set a stop? Well, maybe at that green line, you know, well, to the downside. Yeah, if on you're the downside, but you know what else you can do, Dan? You could also yeah. set buy stops through a certain level on the yeah. upside. You could buy stop yourself into something. We used to get orders like that all the time. Now, that's like, this is yeah. high level shit, and I'm sorry to be dropping <laughs> that, but you know exactly what I mean. You can say, you know yeah. what? I don't want to be long crude all here, but if it goes up another $3 through that trend line, I yeah. want to be long. So you can set a buy stop into strength. We'll probably talk about that on another show. Man, I just yeah. amaze myself on a day-to-day basis, by yeah, the way. Well, you've, you've forgotten more about trading crude oil futures than most of us know there. You know? We used You're to throw it around, school. by the way. Let, let, let's talk about the dollar. I just mentioned it here. And again, I think it's not, it's not, I mean, if you look at the U.S. dollar index and you look at that move and, you know, you and I were calling it a blow-off top. Carter was calling it a blow-off top, whether that's the top. You know, there's certainly a lot of stuff going on as it relates to the pound, the euro, um, and a lot of currencies that make up a big part of this basket but look at that uptrend mm-hmm. you know what it's pretty simple here guy if we were to get back to i don't know 108 or something i mean that would be what what is that nearly a seven eight percent decline from those highs one of the things that's really most important to me about the u.s dollar here is that in late july early august when a lot of major s p companies were guiding for q3 the dollar was much lower
lower, right? Yep. If you think about all that exposure that they have outside the U.S., you know, that to me is the thing that is I'm most focused on as it relates to forward guidance. Thoughts on where you think the Dixie goes? As you know, I am short of this via the UUP ETF, and I think it goes back to that trend probably somewhere near 108. And you probably timed it within a day of, of calling the top. And, you know, listen, Carter comes on this show and he asks a question, then he says yes. He answers his own question, which I love. But back in June, and I remember because we were sitting here, he said, you know what? The chart setup is such that this is going to do a back and fill. You're going to see a softening UUP, which still, which, which is still in a very well-defined uptrend. And that's exactly what happened. And I think you're seeing history repeat itself again. Can we trade down to that trend line? Absolutely can. Everything suggests that we probably will. What happens if and when we get there? I think you buy it with both hands. So... I still think the dollar's in an uptrend. I am still one of these people that think the Fed has a problem on their hands. And as much as people want them to pause, they, it's not that simple. And everything suggests that the dollar goes higher. To your point about multi, uh, multinationals guiding on the back of currencies, I mean, the dollar's, even with this recent sell-off, is probably 10 to 12% higher than it was the last time Microsoft guided yeah. lower on currency risk. So the dollar is not the dollar move higher has not helped any of these multinationals. Well, to your point, I mean, when when Microsoft did guide lower in for the Q2 or the calendar Q2 it was late June and the Dixie was below 104 and it topped out at 115 um, last week. One thing that likes the weaker dollar right here, guy, is your gold. Oh, it really? Man. Oh, I see what I did. It's had, I mean, look, but look at the move that this thing has had. Yeah, I mean, obviously it broke down. It's lame. It broke. Well, it broke those summer lows here. Right now, it's contending with that downtrend yeah. from last year's highs. Does it get through? And what's that 200-day moving average look like? Do you want to get there? Do you think it gets there? When the Bank of England flinched last week, and that's exactly yeah. – was it? I think it was last week. That's exactly week. what they did. I mean, they completely did an about-face. And that, to me, if you had told me that was going to happen, given the backdrop of everything that was going on, given the sell-off that gold had seen, given the levels it was trading at, I said, Dan, gold should be up $100. Now, as it turns out, it's probably rallied close to that since then, but it should have been a one-day event followed by another few days. So maybe it's a delayed reaction. But the environment that we find ourselves in, if you think about all the these different central banks have gotten themselves tied up into knots, if they all start pivoting again, it's only supportive of gold because, unfortunately, the inflation problem is still out there. So, yes, we're in this downtrend. No, there's no compelling reason to buy it. But if you get a break of that downtrend line, to your point, I think the 200-day moving average has a bullseye on it. Yeah, which would also be that high from earlier in the summer there, too. And that was the last time that the market participants in mass felt like the Fed was going to pivot. And maybe that's mm -hmm. the catalyst for the gold, which also brings us to a thesis that you've had on the Bitcoin. Bitcoin. You've not oh. been bullish of Bitcoin, but you said this thing catches a bit again when the Fed does pivot. Now, you don't think the pivot's happening here. I mean, guy, the way that this thing has just died over the yeah. last couple of months is pretty fascinating. This is the Bitcoin futures that are listed on the CME here. And again, you know, it looked like at a time, I don't know, late August or something like that, that maybe we'd see a breakout. Maybe we'd see a retest of that kind of 30,000 level. But the intraday volatility has really come down a lot of bit. It seems that just the interest in the space, and again, we keep mentioning it, all of our old friends who put their laser eyes on their Twitter things, they're all gone. They're all gone. And so maybe is it setting up now for 
a rally that no one sees. Who are those two brothers at Road Crew? Really good looking, like the Winkle Voss or Vi or Winkle something. Winkle V, I think some, you yeah, say you them re- collectively. You know, those guys. I mean, I got to tell you something. They couldn't stay off Twitter when when Bitcoin was north of sixty thousand. You haven't seen them in a while. Freaking crickets you now. Seen it's them like in a while. you know. Like you know, in the movie, you know, in the Social Network, uh, they were played by the same actor. Stop it. Yeah, this guy Army Hammer, who who's since been canceled for some absolutely horrible behavior. He's, that's, I guess, a not great. a very nice guy. So he guy. played both twins simultaneously. He played both twins. So it was like kind of the thing where you know you oh, had yeah. one twins back to the other or something like that in the yeah. scenes. Yeah, uh, that's listen. Now I lost my train of thought. No, I'm no you were saying no, though that say, they, they basically. Crickets, I was going to say yeah, that crickets. I was going to say like being at a Pearl Jam concert, and I was just going to say that just uh, no. actually it's like being at a Dave. If you if you think somehow going to see Dave Matthews is cool, you're doing life wrong. What are you talking about? One of your best friends yeah. in life, yes, our main man Elijah, yes. has yes. been a producing partner of Dave Matthews for what twenty five years, and and that's he what actually you say. discovered. I mean, you know, now that we're going down this rabbit, John Elijah was a guy that discovered Dave Matthews Band at the Bayou in Georgetown way back yeah. when. So Dave and John are very close friends. But I saw Dave Matthews at Shea Stadium. It's it's like sticking needles in your eyes. Anyway, I digress. Bitcoin, again, given that Bank of England news, Bitcoin should have made a beeline to 25000 It didn't even flinch. And that's somewhat concerning because gold's gotten off the mat for the yeah. reasons that I stated. Bitcoin should be as well, but it's not. So <coughs> something's wrong here in Bitcoin land. But with that said, I think you're better off playing it from the long side here than the short side. All right, fair enough. I mean, I'm I'm not playing it at all. No, yeah, you know, I don't find it, it particular. I don't find it particularly interesting. Look at the five. Look at the five year chart there really quickly, guy. Do you remember in late seventeen the CME listed um, Bitcoin futures? And again, I mean, a great vehicle to actually speculate, use leverage, uh, set stops, hedge. We're at a key level, that twenty thousand yeah. level. So let's make no mistake about it. All right, let's do something we call. I don't know. We don't call it anything. We're just going to make it up right here. Like a little bit of a speed round. We oh, spent like a lot speed. of time on like on the macro speed. here. Um, but our, our our crack producer, as you would call her, AD, Amanda Diaz, Amanda Diaz AD. she puts together some names. By the way, she, she's in a really shitty. So if you're on Twitter right now, yeah. at Amanda, because she's not in a good mood. Anyway, please continue. Oh, really? She, no, chewed, she chewed you out already this morning? No I, no, no, I can just, I know her. You know her. Yeah. All right. Well, Amanda, you know, she scrolls the street accounts, which is a fine service from our yeah, friends Facts at FactSet here. And they do great work on, on you know, everything markets. But some of the single name stuff, really good. UBS upgrades Domino's Pizza. DP says demand, comes out DPZ. Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> says demand slowdown concerns are overblown. Okay, fine, whatever. I mean, this is a name that, you know, we had been talking about a lot, you know, as we were thinking about, you know, over the last three years you know three years ago when and when anything digital transformation of anything you know you can become a tech company you're really a pizza company but you can become a tech company mm-hmm. if you order that pizza on an app and then they're you know gaining efficiencies and that sort of thing and look at what the stock did i mean this was absolutely ludicrous when i look at this and you back this thing out back to 2018 and again we could talk about valuation on this one the 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 spread between many of its peers in the quick serve or fast food was absolutely ridiculous but this thing looks looks horrible and again horrible. i can see why an analyst who's been on the sidelines wants to upgrade it after that sharp decline that we've seen over the last few weeks what, what thoughts here and then maybe relative to a mcdonald's which guy has shown really good relative strength in this market over D- the course yeah of this year. i think i think dp's listen 
they're definitely the problem that Domino's had, obviously, is all the inflationary things worked completely against them. And you throw in the fact that they can't find workers and wage inflation that crushed margins. And that's why the stock traded like it did. At least they're making this call sort of at the low of the move. So they're playing yeah. a little bit of stock market here. And I get it. So maybe it can continue to bounce. But to your point, I think the better company and the better valuation comes in the form of McDonald's. So you just asked me, a would you rather yeah, at these levels? I, you know, I would rather McDonald's. Yeah, but it's interesting when you think about a Domino's on the out year. And again, we're going into core four. Mm -hmm. or we are in Q4. I mean, the stock trades 22 times expected, um, you know, earnings growth of, you know, 12, 13% on sales growth at 13%. You just talked about margins coming in here. You know, on the flip side of that, you know, you have McDonald's, which is obviously a pretty good dividend player and the cash flow generation. I mean, this is slower growth, similar multiple. But I like the relative strength. I'd rather be in McDonald's. Yeah. Guy, what is your McDonald? What is Yikes. you know how they've done those McDonald orders for like uh, like those celebrities? What's, what's yeah. what would be your order if they were going to do the G Swizzle right, so mean, Guy I mean, Adami order? So it's one. I apologize. I'm sure some of you have meetings at one thirty. Nah, just, they're fine. Just, just they're fine. relax for a second. Yeah. So my my buddy Tony Grasso and I went to a Stevie Ray Vaughan concert. I want to say in the late '80s. It was yeah. a few years prior to. The demise of Stevie Ray. I mean, Stevie died in a tragic yeah. uh, helicopter crash. I think he was in Milwaukee for you, Wisconsin people out. Doesn't matter. He was touring with Clapton and I think Robert Cray. Anyway, yeah. we went to see him uh, in the city. And on the walk back to my apartment, there happened to be a walk up window at a McDonald's, I think on Ninth Avenue. So it was late at night. We walked up to the window. It wasn't a drive through, obviously, in New York City. I ordered 23 hamburgers and or cheeseburgers. I don't know where I got the number 23. I think Don Mattingly or something was still yeah. playing. But I ordered 23, and I think between the two of us, we knocked down about 19 of them. Suffice to say, Dan, uh, the ensuing uh, morning was oh. not particularly pleasant. But you asked me what my go-to McDonald's is. If I'm just being a normal human being, yeah. I'm getting anywhere from four to five cheeseburgers, large fry, medium Coke. Back to you. Well, you know what's pretty fascinating for some of our listeners who probably heard you say that you've never puffed the magic dragon. Right. No, must, I never have. You must, you must have had a contact high to no. order 23 cheeseburgers no. on the way back from a Stevie Ray Vaughan. And just so you know, I remember that. I saw Eric Clapton on that Journeyman tour. I think it was 91, I guess. Mm -hmm. And people thought that Clapton might have been in that um, track. Yeah. Yeah. accident for a little bit so that all was, right, think about it. that's prior yeah. to the whole social media thing it and was i remember the news lines you know a lot of people i mean obviously it was tragic that stevie ray was on yeah. but i mean a lot of people thought clapton was on that helicopter yeah. too I by the way that. clapton i think is touring right now he he is but he's he's not gonna have the same audience he wanted he was like a big anti-vaxxer and he's like into a bunch oh, he of conspiracy how do you know yeah. these things i just i mean listen i read the internet i what mean you that, read like like but, Rolling Stone <laughs> but really quickly you didn't ask me what my order is my order is a quarter pounder with cheese orange drink large fries and sometimes just to fill in the cracks i'll do like a 10 piece chicken mcnugget with barbecue sauce i mean that's just that's the way orange we is that like fanta or something well they no, they have orange so and they have orange drink. They're two very uh -huh. different things. One's carbonated and one's not. I just wanted to throw up real quickly, guy. I'm sure yeah, I had to throw up is the, ac is the, uh, no, I, the operative I, phrase. I wanted to throw up this five-year uh, McDonald's chart. If you take out the pandemic you know, crash, which every chart in the market has. Like the crude oil chart. Yeah, from the start of 2000. Well, yeah, it is kind of like that. But the pandemic crash in almost every equity, you saw 30 to 50% declines. And, and you know, mm -hmm. so this one had that. But look at this kind of very steady uptrend. It's retesting that uptrend, the down, you know, the, the downside of it or whatever. This thing could set up okay. I'm just saying, you know, we'll see. Um, Listen, all right. 
yeah. reasonable valuation. Not listen, you don't have ex- the growth years are behind them, but you know you have this new world of McDonald's. I mean, the technology company, without question, to your point. So we'll see. I like Cafe Mac here. I enjoyed this yeah. conversation. Though. I mean, nobody had Clapton fun. on their um, bingo no, no, card, no, guaranteed. No. Or uh, nobody had Fanta. So you all you suckers think you got us figured out. You don't. That's why you tune every day because you never freaking know. Here's what I do know, though, and I love this. It's pouring rain out here as I look out the window. The Mets are supposed Mm -hmm. to play two at Shea today. Two important games, as it turns out, because the Braves lost last night. They're going to be about maybe 5,000 people in the stands. They might get rained out again today, which means they're going to have to play two tomorrow, which is Wednesday, and they're supposed to start the playoffs on Friday. This is setting up for such a cluster beep for the Mets, I can't even begin to tell you. By the way, makes me really happy. You know what else makes me happy? Market call. You know what else makes me happy? Dan Nathan. You know what else makes me happen? Carter Worth, who will be with us tomorrow, along with Tom Sosnoff of Tasty Trade. I want to thank our sponsor, CME Group, for sponsoring today's market call. Fact set, dig them. They provide all the charts and data. And of course, we're powered by Open Exchange. If you enjoy this, if you think it's fun, let us know. Like us, leave a comment, send Amanda an email. And apparently, Amanda is in a good mood. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, 1 p.m. We're going to know a lot more about the playoff picture in Major League Baseball. But one thing I do know the Yankees play two today. Doesn't matter because the Yankees are going to be sitting home watching all these wildcard Johnsons play. We'll see you <laughs> next week in the Bronx, but we'll see you tomorrow on Market Call. All right. See you later. Thanks.